Welcome to the CEC report for the 27th of September 2019. I'm Elisa Barwick. Joining me today is CEC Research Director Robert Barwick. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Elisa. And on today's show, all signs point to financial meltdown underway and the secret government of KPMG and Co. Lisa, what you're about to go through underscores the urgency of their fight against the cash ban. We'll talk about that in a minute. Right? We'll go through this, this breaking news first. Mm. But one of the perspectives, we, if you went through 2007 and 8 and, and paid attention like we did and then see what's happening now, mm -hmm. right? you can't help but see the similarities. And that makes everything about the need to reform the financial system and stop the government doing things to stop those reforms, very urgent. Yeah, exactly. And one of the very significant things is the amount of political disarray underway right now in the two key countries, uh, the United Kingdom and the United States, that um, underlie the import of the global financial system that is breaking apart right now. So you have in the United States initiation of impeachment proceedings and you have in the United Kingdom uh, the possibility of a constitutional crisis as Brexit yeah. plays out. And as you said, look, if we don't put forward and succeed with the kinds of solutions that will put people first that we've discussed, you know, every week on the show, and we'll come back to what those solutions are later, uh, you're going to see a process whereby those banking powers, the Anglo-American authorities, are going to impose top, their own top-down solutions which will not be pro-people no. and will amount to essentially as we'll show in the second segment of the show uh, will amount to what we what is known as fascism or corporatism um, that level of control and one thing I want to mention in that vein and we'll come back to it in in future shows uh, was the other significant event of this week and that's the New York climate change conference and while the media was focused on what Greta Thunberg had to say and that hysteria uh, the actual agenda was laid out by the keynote speech which was given by the head of the Bank of England, Mark Carney, and what he laid out was a compact that was signed by 130 of the world's biggest banks, um, which was called the Principles of Responsible Banking, and this basically specifies how these banks cannot and will not fund investments into things like fossil fuels and so forth. Um, or anything that doesn't align with the Paris Accord. And of course, this is set to usher in a whole new level of fascism because one of the things he specified was that it can't be done without full transparency. He literally said, to watch, you need to be able to see. Now, they, they couch it in language that um, climate change alarmists and people that have been made to worry a lot about that will think, oh, yeah, that's good. But... You've got to put. You've got to separate the the issue from the agenda, mm. right? Because these bankers have found looking at this and say this is a way we can assert control. Yeah. As if the banks, 130 global banks, are suddenly responsible and have the interests of humanity at yeah. heart. Give us a break. Um, you know, unless unless they have democratic control put over them and they're made to serve the financial system again, that ain't going to happen. And they're not going to come up with something themselves mm. to, to to suddenly be good for the planet. This is a system that will be able to be applied to everything. And when, when Carney and the Bank of England are talking about a surveillance system that fits right in with what we're push, fighting here, the way the Reserve Bank set up this financial surveillance state and is using the cash ban as a way to get there. Mm, exactly. So we'll come back to those ideas. But um, as by way of update, we have had in the last couple of weeks, of course, major interventions with 
interest rate cuts and quantitative easing programs launched by the European Central Bank and by the US Federal Reserve. And for starters, the European Central uh, Bank's European Central Bank's interventions are flailing already. They had issued or announced they were issuing these long-term refinancing operations to banks, LTROs, and the first of them was not taken up by the banks to any extent that they expected because basically, you know, they're trying to get bad loans off their books and they don't have anyone to lend to that's going to do anything useful with it because the economy is collapsing. Yeah. And then you have the Fed interventions, which we spoke briefly about last week, and this concerns the repo market. Now, the repo market, Elisa, needs, if people don't understand it, you've got to think of, of a pawn shop, where you go to the pawn shop and you, you know, pawn your watch or something, right, and they'll give you money. But if you get back in time, you can, if you make money, you can go back and get your, your watch back, right? Repo means repurchase agreement, and it's a way that banks can confidently lend to each other and the, reserve, the Federal Reserve can lend to banks and vice versa, um, where there's an agreement that the, that the transaction will be reversed either the next day or in a fortnight or something like this, right? It's based on these repurchase agreements. So banks, some, at the end of every day, some banks need money, some banks have too much money, right? And they'll, they'll lend to each other. Mm. And that's the market, and suddenly it's gone haywire. So that's usually quite stable because they know what to expect. Um, but the interest rates in those markets jumped from 2% to 10%. And what happened starting Tuesday last week was that the US Fed started intervening to offer loans into those markets up to $75 billion a day. That was conducted every day from Tuesday last and week. think about it. The first intervention was $53 billion. And the Fed said, if we need to, we'll do $75 billion mm. tomorrow. And the, and the first reporting was, oh, that should be enough. That should be okay. No, they've now had to announce this thing that adds up to more than $800 billion over the next three weeks yeah. to try and keep this propped up. So that includes, apart from those $75 billion a day injections, up to $30 billion worth of two-week loans. And on two occasions that that was offered through this week, they received demands for more than twice the amount they were offering. So well, they've already jacked up the $30 billion for the two-week repos to $60 billion. Mm. Is that, That's just happened overnight. Yeah. So they're going to continue both as necessary up until the 10th, at least the 10th of October. But of course, everyone, all the leading commentators are saying this will emerge as a new form of quantitative easing. And speculation is rife that uh, it's been brought on by potentially a derivatives disaster, which is causing a liquidity crisis for one or more major banks. Well, that's the thing. What strikes me now, a week later, more than a week later, or nearly two weeks later, they still don't know the specific institutions. They don't know what caused the specific demand. But the general idea is one or more institutions suddenly need a lot more money than they had, right? When you see that, you, th you think straight away, the, the kind of scenario that can create that need unexpectedly is derivatives, right? The derivatives mess has not been solved. They've spent 10 years propping it up. And to point out some of the problems, look, we're seeing a growth in derivatives in the last little period, which is quite striking. And when you see this kind of growth in derivatives that's disconnected from the real economy, because the real economy is not booming, derivatives are. So when it's disconnected like that, that kind of activity can be used for fraud, it can be used to hide losses, it can, use, it can be used to create synthetic liquidity, right? And this, in other words, um, desperate actions by banks to try and cover something up is, is the sort of thing we're looking at. So. Um, the BIS has reported that foreign exchange rate derivatives has, have soared by a third since um, uh, 2016, right? And a lot of, lot of speculation in that area. Uh, in Australia, 
we, we showed this graph last week, but I want to we didn't we hadn't seen the latest figures by then. We've had a ten trillion dollar rise in mm. bank derivatives in six months. Ten trillion dollars. Look at the chart. We've never seen anything like that. Right? What's happening in Australia's banks that suddenly they're going on this binge? Is there an equivalent boom in the Australian economy somewhere? No, this is not hedging. Right? There's something going on, and we should be really concerned about what that might be. And just to underscore the significance, let's have a quick look at this. We're going to show two videos. Right? Um, the last time you saw this kind of activity in the market, in, in, in 2008, 2009, this happened. This guy, Jim Cramer, went on TV and said this. Everything sort of starts out down a little bit, but nothing right. to worry about. Ah, boring summer fight. Almost, you know, right. a day we haven't had in a long time. Right. Just not exciting. Then all of a sudden, S&P says, ooh, we're worried about bear. Right. Bear goes down. Market goes down. And then all of a sudden, things kind of calm down. Bear comes out and right. says, hey, we're okay, guys. We're okay. Everything's fine. Bear goes back up to neutral. Market's only down 20. Right. Then bear comes out and says, oh, worst bond market in 22 years. Yeah. And that's where we are right well, now. The market's down 100 points. Remember How do you trade this? Remember the Bear Stearns? Uh, you got to adopt a Henry Ford uh, attitude here, which is uh, never explain, never complain. And they didn't do that. You keep your mouth shut during this period. You don't say a thing because you're going to say something but that people don't like. then we complain and we say, hey, come on, you guys. Keep your mouth shut. Come because out here and talk about your exposure. No, you speak softly and you wait to that level where you think the shorts have overdone the stock. And then you do what Dick Fold did in, mm -hmm. in 1998. You pick up the phone to guys like me and you say, 32 bid, 1 million, and then you get whacked and you come back and say 31 bid for 2 million. They're not doing that. That just that inspires more fear. I don't want to create fear. I like Bear Stearns very much, but mm -hmm. I think that at this stage, this is not a good call. They shouldn't have done it, and they should have just said, you know what? Mm -hmm. We're doing well, and don't say another thing. Just don't say it, because just, it does not... It does not inspire confidence to have 10 headlines coming over about what to do. I don't like it. All right, I hear you. Now, I still, though, you know, when we said, and hey, the, let's look, the Dow can rally. We, we've seen the Dow no, rally. I know. I'm not even, but I mean, it's right. just interesting, this, this bigger... Well, this is about companies. Bernanke. This is about Bernanke. He has to be on that call. Forget the investors. The investors are going to do... If Bernanke, listens, sure Bernanke, Bernanke needs to open the discount window. That's how bad things are out there. Bernanke needs to focus on this. Alan Greenspan told everyone to take a teaser rate and then raise the rate 17 times. And Bernanke is being an academic. It is no time to be an academic. It is time to get on the Bear Stearns call. Listen, open the darn Fed window. He has no idea how bad it is out there. He has no idea. He has no idea. I have talked to the heads of almost every single one of these firms in the last 72 hours, and he has no idea what it's like out there. None! And Bill Poole has no idea what it's like out there. My people have been in this game for 25 years, and they are losing their jobs, and these firms are going to go out of business, and he's nuts! They're nuts! They know nothing! Kramer. I have not seen I, it like this I since I went five bid for a half a million shares of Citigroup when I got hit in 1990. This is a different kind of market, and the Fed is asleep. Okay, but here's the thing. Bill, Bill Poole is a shame. He's shameful. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I know he you're ought to go and read the accredited home document. At least I read the darn thing. Hold on, I know you're passionate, and I hear you, but, but, but at the same time, a lot of people are saying this is, yes, it, there's certain types of mortgages that aren't available. There are, you there can't are all get a darn loan if you get rich like say, me. But Kramer, but Kramer, if he did what you said, which seems to me from the way cut you the just explained yourself. Cut, to, cut it. Cut the rate. Open the discount window. Okay, cut the rate. We'll leave the pressure. Week and cuts rates, we'll leave the pressure. You're going to have, that's going to cause Armageddon. No, we have Armageddon. 
I wouldn't try to cause it. We get, we have Armageddon in the fixed income markets. We have Armageddon. No, but that's not. We what they have say. Armageddon. They say even when you when I've talked to a couple if banks, they, CEOs, they don't rate, say it's Armageddon. Well, who they I, say it's repricing. They're very firm about oh, that. Oh, great. Now. Okay, well let them be calm and then have them call me on the way home like they do every night and tell me, Kramer, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to help us? Are you going to help us? Are you going to stand on the sideline like everybody else and say that it's fine? Will somebody come on TV and tell the truth about how bad it is? So what you just saw then was 13 months before the global financial meltdown, right? It started then. This, we're concerned we might be seeing something similar now. Second one is, this is look at this explanation of derivatives which are held off balance sheet and how the banks can be pretending they're fine and still be in a mess in the case of Citigroup. I'm Frank Partnoy and this is a balance sheet. It is a real balance sheet of an actual company. Who is it? Well, let's look at it. 2006, 2007, 2008, 2009, we know what happened in those years. Company starts off strong, lots of assets, plenty of equity. 2007, tough year, still looks good, rock solid. 2008, very tough year, looks great. 2009, rocking year in the markets. This is a stable company. Who is this? Do you know? I'm a professor, so I get to ask questions. Do you know who it is? Is this McDonald's? Is this a stable company that somehow survived the crisis? Do you know? Citigroup. This is the actual balance sheet of Citigroup. I want to talk about off-balance sheet transactions, what's not here. This is a company that went from a market capitalization of a quarter trillion dollars to virtually zero. This is a company that went from making tens of billions of dollars a year to losing tens of billions of dollars a year. This is a company that required the government to ring fence $306 billion of its liabilities in its own off-balance sheet transaction. And that's the picture of this company according to the balance sheet. What one word describes Citigroup's balance sheet? <laughs> I'll use a different F word, fiction instead of fraud. <laughs> Citigroup was the recipient of the biggest bailout of all the banks in Wall Street, even though it had that beautiful balance sheet. The derivatives thing is a disaster waiting to happen, and that's what we should be worried about now. We've got to take a quick break, but we'll be right back to discuss the Australian, more of the Australian side of this. Welcome back to the CEC Report, where we're discussing the global meltdown going on. And with that backdrop in mind, this week we had a coordinated intervention from our Prime Minister and Treasurer, from... Prime Minister Scott Morrison in New York and Treasurer Frydenberg here, where they both came out saying, we need the banks to lend. So Morrison basically was saying how there's never been any issue about the rigour and soundness of our banks, best really, banks Mar in the world. Really, Scott? Yeah, and so he said, don't be gun-shy. You know, we need lending. And Treasurer Frydenberg at the AFR Property Summit yesterday um, pushed back against the responsible lending standards that have come in the wake of the Royal Commission, which have negatively impacted consumer behaviour. Lisa, what I find extraordinary about this is these, these, these two statements by these yahoos totally contradicts what we've been told for two months, that we're back, baby, the, the markets are booming, the real estate prices are going up, banks are lending again, supposedly. Mm. Well, why did the, prim, the Prime Minister and Treasurer, the Prime Minister from New York, have to make a big deal about this? I think we're being lied to, not by these two for once, right? 
there is a problem. Australia has one thing going, it's an economy, it's a property bubble, and if it crashes, we're toast. Our banks are toast, the whole thing's toast, and they are, you're seeing their desperation, we've got to get this going again, and um, they're putting it all on the banks, start lending, start lending. So something is amiss, right? And again, this is one of the things we're saying. All the signs are pointing to the possibility of a financial um, meltdown, perhaps having started already. Now, this, this raises the importance of the campaign against the, the cash ban, right? Because we need to force this institution of parliament to look at this threat of a financial crisis and go, what do we, as representatives of the people, have to do to make sure whatever happens does not destroy the country, right? Not in a Band-Aid way where you kick the can down the road and just flood a lot more debt in, etc., which is what they're trying to do now. No, really reform the system. And as you know, we have policies to do that. Glass-Steagall to stop the banks speculating so they're never allowed to do that again with our money. A national bank so that we can change the structure of our economy and put investment, real public investment, into the things that's going to give us a proper productive economy, right? So we're not just based on you know, a, a quarry and a financial casino centred in real estate, right? We should be manufacturing again. We should have regional areas booming. And you need infrastructure for that. You need proper investment. That's what a national bank can provide. Um, these are the reforms that, that have to be done, right? But instead, the government is coming up with ways to just prop the system up. And the number one ways of doing it is, is bail-in, Bail-in is this law that we, we have in Australia that we have to make sure gets, gets turfed out. And now the cash ban, so that when they do bail-in or when they do negative interest rates, let the Reserve Bank do negative interest rates, we can't escape it, mm -hmm. right? And that's, this is the, the very, that's, that's why it's so crucial to stop this. And there's a Member of Parliament that has put out a fact sheet defending the cash ban. Well, well, which we've kind of provoked because we've been forcing this issue. Is he, look, this, these people are yahoos. I'll use, I'll use that term again. So this is quite extraordinary. Liberal Member of Parliament in Queensland, um, they are defending this to the hilt. And what they're trying to claim is it's all about tax, right? And they're, they're trying to shift midstream because a few weeks ago, Michael Sooker, the Assistant Treasurer, said not, it's not about tax, it's about criminal gangs. Now the new bill is about tax. And you can watch the show that, Mike, that John Adams and Martin North did on this, on the interest mm. of the people, where John goes through in detail. It's very important to watch that show. We'll, we'll provide the link. Um, but now they're, they're making claims in this fact sheet that are all bogus, frankly. And... When they're, when they're doing this kind of thing, um, we will put out refutations of this stuff. When they're doing this type of thing, they're, being, they're trying to be, uh, uh, you know, they're, de they're desperate, right? But we have to make sure we use this process that we've got of an inquiry mm. to ram the, the arguments home. So make your submission. What's the John Martin show? But make your submission. Um, explain your reasons for using cash, right? Very important. Um, uh, keep talking to your members of parliament. That's also very important, right? And then one of the things we're going to do is, I have to just add a correction quickly. Mm. Last week I made certain statements on this show which we've had to clarify because I said last week that if you were caught using this cash accidentally under this law, you can go to jail. That's actually not true. It's still a terrible law, right? But I wanted to just be... We'll put out a proper analysis that people can read to see the, the, the very specifics they have to see um, to to know what is real, what's not real about this bill. But the, the, the overall gist of this bill is clear. They want to trap people in banks, and that's why we have to fight it. Yep. Now, we'll be right back to talk about the implications of this. Welcome back to the CC Report. We're now discussing the secret government of KPMG and Co. So we won't have a lot of time to go through the details, but you can call in if you haven't already. We'll send you a free copy of our alert service and you can read the article, Creating a Private Global Money Power, 
Uh, and I want to say that Michael West, um, independent journalist, raised this question when he wrote his article on the cash ban, which he headlined corporatocracy inside the cash ban. And he said that what the cash ban will do is to further entrench and enhance the grip of large financial institutions over democracy in Australia. Now, he's used the right word there, corporatocracy, because another word for fascism when it first rose its ugly head under Mussolini in Italy um, was corporatism. And uh, he used the kind of economic chaos that we're seeing again today for an excuse to have strong and powerful government that could crack down on anything that got in the way of fixing the, the show. Efficiency. Uh, and so today we see the role, as we've pointed out, with the cash ban of big institutions, not only the banks and central banks, but KPMG and the other big auditors, for instance. Um, the former head of KPMG, the late head Michael Andrew, had written the report that advocated for the cash ban, the Black Economy Report, promoting this as part of a broader cashless society. Of course, they want to go well below $10,000 ban down to 2000 or less. Um, and what we've shown, of course, is that real tax evasion has very little to do with cash. And you can read... Um, Nicholas Shackson's book uh, on the talk about the Treasure spiders. Yep. He talks about the spiders web, this intricate web created by the British Empire after World War II to create what was then known as an informal financial empire of tax havens where... That are all connected know, to the City of London. Exactly, and where it is these auditors, for instance, that have written the laws... They run that the show, yeah. ...allow that to take place. It doesn't matter about cash or not cash in the end because they control the lawmaking process. Um, but KPMG is also part of the Treasurer's High-Level Advisory Panel, which uh, Michael West also wrote about in a recent article where he shows how 20 big four tax wizards, including the big four auditing companies, have several people each yeah. advising our tax law. This also intersects the police-state drive, which we've seen with the security laws coming in in the name of terrorism and cybersecurity. And the latest is Peter Dutton's push through Home Affairs for a new cybersecurity strategy uh, which echoes uh, UK bills that have extraordinary powers to watch society using um, private business and corporations as well. And PricewaterhouseCoopers PwC is part of the sponsorship of a big upcoming cyber conference on this, along with the Australian Signals Defence System, Microsoft, BAE Systems and so forth. So this all intersects. Now, the banking framework itself... Um, set up post-World War I is a key part of this. I want to read a quote from Carol Quigley from Tragedy and Hope, A History of the World in Our Time, a very prominent historian. And he said after World War I that the powers of financial capitalism had another far-reaching aim, nothing less than to create a world system of financial control in private hands, able to dominate the political system of each country and the economy of the world as a whole. This system was to be controlled in a feudalist fashion by the central banks of the world acting in concert by secret agreements arrived at in frequent private meetings and conferences. And he goes through a lot in this uh, chapter or part seven of this book, which you can read about in the alert, about the creation of the Bank for International Settlements. Of course, we have APRA um, here with the regulatory framework, which had secret powers to take over our banks at a point well, of crisis. The, this is all done, what APRA's powers are, all under the umbrella of the BIS. Exactly. And as Wayne Byers said, who's now the head of APRA, in 2012, 
where there was a BIS document that was put out, he said there must be no government or industry interference which compromises the operational independence of the supervisor. Well, the Royal Commission proved that APRA is totally captured by the industry, the banks. Mm. That part's a joke. He means no government interference. He means no democratic accountability by the people of Australia over the people that control the money power in Australia. That's all operating under the umbrella of this global system that Carol Quigley described so well 60 or 70 years ago. So we have to implement real solutions that you described before that put the people first if we want to prevent this. So ring your MP, put in your submission. Thanks for tuning in. We've run out of time. Thanks, Elisa. Thanks, Robbie, and see you again next week.